1: Strange Arrivals is a production of iHeart 3D audio. For full exposure, listen with headphones.
0: Do I really need to tell you who Chris Carter is? He's the creator of The X Files, which is one of the iconic TV shows and probably the best known piece of popular culture to deal with the paranormal and issues of skepticism and belief. I talked to him in December of 2020. A quick note, Chris mentions Bud Hopkins, David Jacobs, and John Mack. The end of season one of Strange Arrivals looks at their work, particularly Hopkins. In addition, I interviewed Carol Rainey, who is Bud Hopkins' ex-wife and former research partner, about him and his research. That interview is a bonus episode from season one. So with that in mind... Here is my chat with Chris Carter. Could you introduce yourself?
1: Chris Carter, uh, best known as creator of the X-Files.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the origin of the X-Files. How did you come up with that idea or or who did you work with? I
1: I had an idea way back in the 1980s. There was a show on that I loved uh, when I was a kid called uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker. It was the scariest thing I'd ever seen on TV. So I thought, there's nothing scary on TV. Why don't I try to do a show that is as scary as that one? I pitched the idea to Brandon Tartikoff when I was at NBC, and uh, he passed on it. And then I was hired by 20th Century Fox to create TV shows. And I pitched the same idea to Peter Roth, and he said he'd been thinking about the same thing. So I sat down and came up with the characters of Mulder and Scully, FBI agents. I was inspired, especially you you can see Scully's red hair, by Silence of the Lambs. That was an early inspiration. So I came up with these two characters and I kind of turned the tables on what would be the stereotypical believer and skeptic, made Mulder, the male, the believer in Scully, the female, the skeptic. I wanted to make her uh, not only a doctor, but a scientist so she could refute Mulder's claims with uh, her hard science.
0: So you had this idea for a series that would be scary. And, and how, did, you know, how did UFOs come to be sort of a central part of that?
1: There were two things. I'd been reading about UFOs and alien abductions, but also I was given uh, just by chance a survey called the Roper Survey, which was done by Dr. John Mack, who any UFO aficionado will know well. And it said that millions of Americans believed in the uh, UFO phenomenon. Some millions less believe they'd actually seen a UFO. Some millions less believe they'd had contact but that there was uh, interest in the phenomenon. And so I thought the first thing that I would like to do is play with that in a personal uh, way, making Mulder's sister an abduct- abductee, which is what his entry was into the world of the paranormal.
0: What, what kind of source material yeah. are you looking at as, yeah. as, you were, as you were thinking about the, uh, particularly the UFO component of, of the X-Files? Yeah.
1: I had kind of three go-to guys was Dr. John Mack, uh, David Jacobs and uh, Bud Hopkins. Those were the three people that I read mostly and I, had, I really developed my uh, sense of all things UFOs and, the, and uh, abductions uh, through uh, reading their books. Yeah, that, I, I would say that those were my go-to guys.
0: You know, I know that those three were, were really sort of involved in, in the um, sort of abduction movement, I guess, in the, in the 80s and 90s. But it seems like there's also these other components to the X-Files UFO sort of mythos. Yeah. Um, one of which is, you know, the government conspiracy. The government knows more than they're letting on. They're doing a lot to try and cover it up. What, what were some of the source material or the inspiration yeah. or whatever for that?
1: You know, that's part of the literature, but I've always been interested in conspiracies, I think, because I was a child of the Watergate era. You know, I was a disbeliever in uh, what our government was telling us and a believer that they were keeping things from us. So this fit in perfect with the UFO literature, which is all about government, you know, black budget, secret operations. Uh, and all the reasons there are for the government to keep the truth about uh, extraterrestrial life from the American public and uh, those who, you know, things that are you know scientific, cultural, religious, it would upend a lot of the institutions uh, in society.
0: And when you were looking at, I guess, particularly the, the Jacobs, Hopkins, Mac stuff, like, what was, your, what was your assessment of what they were coming up with? Did this seem more like sort of ideas for fictional storylines, or did it at the time seem sort of compelling as a possible um, description of, of things that were actually happening? And I ask partly because, you know, I've talked to um, people who have made, you know, certainly less influential things about ufos and you know for the large part they seem to be really looking at sort of these fictional representations as a way of getting out something that they feel is at some level you know true or at least like highly possibly true and i was just kind of interested it, it, because it does seem like other than other you know there's other things like if you're doing a western and you're and you're and you're doing research into what was it like in the in the west or in the 1880s and 90s or, or what have you, that there's certain sort of, you know, kind of undisputable facts or, or things that are, think are are you know quote unquote true, whereas most of the stuff about UFOs really seems in dispute, so it seems like that's a slightly different thing in figuring out what you want to use and how you want to use it. Am I, am I thinking too much about this?
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, I think even the, uh, believers guys like David Jacobs and Bud Hopkins, and John Mack, they uh, doubted certain accounts and they doubted certain individuals and they doubted themselves sometimes. But when three smart people, do the kind of research that they did and come up with, uh, as a bottom line, uh, a belief in the phenomenon. It's powerful. uh, Smart people doing investigative science on the subject. That was, for me, that was very, very powerful. They were the ones that helped paint the picture that became the backdrop for the uh, X-Files alien mythology.
0: Could you talk a little bit about the development of the mythology as, as the series progressed because um, it sounded like you didn't have that all together when the series started.
1: No, I had what I would consider to be the kind of foundation uh, of the mythology that was based in things that anybody can read about uh, alien abductions and uh, kind of classic Scoop Mark scars, the triangular shapes a kind of shape that appeared on Scully's back in the pilot episode. So I had the uh, ideas that I'd taken from all of the accumulated science and background on uh, alien abductions. And uh, I created a world with the episode. Actually, if you watch the first and second episode of the X-Files and the season finale, which is called the Erlenmeyer flask, you will really get a foundational view of, the X-Files mythology. Now, there's this idea that the government has been keeping all this stuff quiet, secret for their own purposes, and uh, that one day uh, somebody will get them to disclose or there will be reason to disclose the truth. I think that's where the X-Files mythology uh, took flight from the accepted uh, X-Files mythology. And so we were imagining... The world before disclosure, and uh, mother and Scully as the people seeking to uh, learn the truth.
0: So you mentioned the Erlenmeyer uh, flask, uh, which I, I watched recently with my daughter. You know, I, th- there's so many sort of iconic figures, I guess, and things that happen. You know, the Smoking Man. He's sort of an iconic figure now, and there's a, there's a deep throat figure. And, you know, in the Erlenmeyer flask, there's, they go to a warehouse, sort of out of the way, sort of run down warehouse and find, you know, what appear to be men underwater being developed or, or what have you. What sort of assumptions were you making about people's understanding of these issues or, or thoughts about these issues that kind of went in yeah. into creating the storyline? You
1: know, uh, I'm thinking also to uh, two episodes that Morgan and Wong did. I'll preface that by saying when uh, we started out the show, I told the staff that I didn't, want to, I didn't want to see aliens for five years. I wanted to keep them in the shadows, in the deep background. That lasted all of about a year. Glenn Morgan and James Wong did two great episodes, one called EBE and another one called Little Green Men. And we actually did see an alien in Little Green Men, which was the season opener for season two. So uh, we took a lot of what people knew about aliens or believed about aliens and UFOs, extraterrestrials, and the government conspiracy. And there was a certain fascination with Roswell, with Area 51. And uh, I would call them not tropes, but uh, they were... Part of the X-File, I'm sorry, the uh, extraterrestrial alien abduction UFO lore.
0: You know, I think Boulder, Mulder and Scully are. I think of the iconic duos in uh, in television history, at least in what I've watched. I think I think it's them and Kirk and Spock are sort of closest to my heart, and I think a lot of people's hearts. You know, there, there's clearly this interesting play between you know, skepticism and belief. And how did you see the arc across the seasons as far as their relationship and their edging uh, each other towards their own beliefs? How, how do you see that, that playing out?
1: Well, I can speak to the structure of the, uh, the way we did the seasons. We did, I think, six mythology episodes, typically per season. Three two-parters, actually, and that kind of became our f- formula. The way Mulder and Scully uh, approached the other, typically, uh, 16 to 19 cases was by taking positions, by taking hard-edged science versus an obdurate and uh, determined belief in the paranormal uh, on, on Mulder's side. And it became kind of competitive. And it became a, a, really a long nine-year flirtation between the two characters and uh, a, a seduction of sorts. It's funny, when you are selling your position, this is uh, something I always find interesting with Mulder and Scully, when you are selling your beliefs and your position and your, your side to, your, to the other side, to the opposition, which would, if Mulder is selling to Scully, there's something seductive about it. it it just became kind of the nature of the show.
0: So when it ends, do you feel like Mulder has been more brought towards skepticism or Scully has been brought more towards belief or do you think they fight to a fight to a standstill?
1: Well, you know, someone said, how can Scully go for nine years and still be a disbeliever with all she's seen? And so we played with that a little bit. We actually had her witness things and she, came to the other side and Mulder went to skepticism. So we did play with that idea through the course of the show. But you know, it's a fair uh, argument that uh, Scully, uh, seeing so much that she could, had no answers for, because science does not have answers for these things, that she would come to Mulder's side more readily than Mulder would go to her side. When we, we first started the show, uh, there was, something interesting that happened. Uh, Fox had bought my pitch. They had uh, liked my outline. They had liked the pilot script. We had begun casting and we had filmed the pilot. Uh, We had shown the pilot to the network. They were very happy with it, but they wanted me to put a disclaimer up uh, before the show saying that for the viewer, that uh, these are all based on actual events. It it was as if we were creating a kind of documentary in the network's mind. And I went along with it, but then it's like, uh, for the pilot episode, I went along with it. But then it's like I I realized that's not what the show is. The show is a fictionalized, scripted, storytelling Uh, vehicle for these characters, Mulder and Scully, looking for the truth. And I said to them, you know, they wanted to wrap up the episodes at the end, kind of in a neat bow with an explanation for what Mulder and Scully had seen. And I said, that's exactly what you don't want. You don't want to to, uh, have the answers. You want to be left with wonder. You want to be left with awe. You want to be left with your own uh, opinions at the end. And it took me a, a real hard sales pitch to get them to understand that.
0: Yeah, well, that seems critical. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, th- I feel like that's, that's such a big part of the X-Files, and I think part of what really captured people's imagination, even people talking about it today. Is, is there something that you're trying to get across, especially in the, in the Mythos episodes?
1: I was trying to create a sense of awe and the idea that science doesn't have all the answers. And that religion doesn't have all the answers and uh, that there are things beyond the pale. Uh, I liked all that. But I also uh, have to say I come at this from more Scully's side than Mulder's side uh, with a science bias. And it's uh, I really have a kind of prove-it-to-me philosophy. And so really, it was me. The thesis was my own troubled perspective on uh, What is true and what is not? I, I want to see an, uh, an alien. I want to see a UFO These are things that I want to believe in but thus, the po- uh, poster on Mulder's wall. I-, I want to have my hopes confirmed uh, I-, I-, I want that experience uh, and, I- and I'm longing for it uh, as is Mulder Uh, but I'm also doubtful of it that I will ever have it, which is Scully.
0: And so, you know, in the course of, you know, the research for the X-Files, and I'm sure you must have had zillions and zillions of people getting in touch with you about their experiences. How did you find, or did you find, that your thoughts about UFOs changed?
1: You know, people ask me if I'm a believer or a skeptic and I say I'm a skeptic, but I have to say that with a asterisk because I've met so many people who tell so many believable uh, stories that they absolutely believe in that who am I to doubt them? So while I am skeptical because there isn't a lot of hard, hard evidence, there isn't a, uh, a lot of compelling testimony uh that leads to the hard evidence uh there is uh there are just there are a lot of personal accounts that uh one can take with a grain of salt
0: so you didn't find i mean did did you ever feel like you were uh led on to something that that most people or just about everybody wouldn't have known in the course of this stuff it clearly wasn't something that would have changed your mind
1: I didn't find anything that necessarily changed my mind. Uh, There was something interesting that I did, uh, that I had a chance to do. And uh, and I had written about uh, regression hypnosis and this is the way Bud Hopkins worked and uh, John Mack worked, uh, taking people back through their memories, uh, maybe removing the screen memories that the aliens had implanted them with. And uh, I actually got to sit in on a regression hypnosis while I went, I flew to Boston while the show was uh, being produced and uh, sat in on one of these events. And it was powerful uh, sit, be, to be sitting next to someone who is going through the abduction experience. In this case, it was uh, someone who was taken from a campground. So you know, who am I to say that it's not true uh, when it seemed so vivid and powerful in this in this person's mind
0: from BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this Can you talk a little bit about the dynamic uh, of the of the writing of the X Files and and you know the other things that kind of went into creating the the storylines and sort of the look and feel that are very very strong? Yeah,
1: the X Files. I I was really lucky to hire two teams of smart guys, and uh, that would be people I've mentioned already, Glenn Morgan and James Wong. uh, were a writing team. Uh, and then a writing team of Howard Gordon and Alex Gonza, who were also two smart guys, who uh, went on to create Homeland together. So I had these capable people, and uh, the way we began to work was we would gather together and people would pitch their ideas for episodes. And if the ideas were good, and they almost always were, that person would go and create a plot. Uh, So basically go to the drawing board and create the plot for the story. Uh, They would bring that plot, uh, which was done on three by five cards on a bulletin board to the group. And we would go through it and listen. And once again, I got very lucky. People had very good ideas of how to develop the Mulder and Scully storyline through horror, thriller, suspense and uh paranormal episodes so the x-files from the very beginning was not just going to be a ufo alien show it was going to be uh more than that and uh i had actually uh created a marketing package before any of these people came on uh when i turned the pilot in originally to 20th century fox spelling out what the show was so it just happened that uh, i, I was able to pair with the right people to bring the idea of making it a horror show, a suspense show, a thriller, uh, what have you, that it became uh, really three-fifths of the time it was something other than alien and aliens and UFOs.
0: I'm really interested in this idea of working with other people on something that's essentially, you know, your brainchild. Was everybody sort of, on the same page particularly with Mulder and scully and how they would react to certain things or or was that something that that was hashed out over the course of of meetings
1: you know i have to say that the characters were they developed over time that people uh added to them that people created and uh Created nuances for the characters, but uh, the idea that they were the believer and the skeptic, and their personalities were really came from the pilot. And so, while everyone added to the creation in in the most amazing ways, and the show wouldn't be the same without those additions, Mulder and Scully, I think, were Mulder and Scully from the beginning, and um, they just. Uh, their characters and their stories and their backgrounds and their attitudes uh, changed with time because that's the nature of producing a television show.
0: Right. Interesting. So what is it about UFOs that you think makes for good and compelling TV or movies?
1: I think it's interesting because I think people look up into the sky at night and wonder if the truth is out there, if, the, uh, if there are other civilizations. So it has a kind of human component to it, and the f- idea that uh, the aliens have, in many cases, humanoid qualities, and that they actually seem to have some stake in humanity, and they have uh, some either good or bad purposes for being here, it- it's our fear of the other that is natural and in this case, I think it's the fear of a, another that has either a good or evil uh, intent.
0: So have you, been, have you been following what's been going on recently, you know, in the last couple of years, the, um, you know, revelations that the, the Pentagon continued to have a, you know, quote unquote UFO program up until very recently, you know, you have Marco Rubio. Senator Marco Rubio, asking the Department of Defense to give him an unclassified report of what they've been doing and and what they potentially know. Uh, Do you have thoughts?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, Obama asked the Defense Department for any files. Uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, who, uh, with John Podesta on her staff, were uh, avid believers, or I should say, want-to-believers in the phenomenon were uh, had even said uh, during her campaign that they were going to get to the bottom of it. Uh, so, you know, this has been going on for quite a while. People want to know, I think uh, Bill Clinton wanted to know. And uh, so Marco Rubio, uh, is just the latest in a long line. Uh, I th- thought it was interesting that Harry Reid basically did have a secret alien project, uh, UFO project that uh, he financed with taxpayer dollars uh, which was not unsup- I was not unsurprised.
0: How do you how do you
1: look at the legacy of the X Files? Uh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I hope that it was nine years of uh, quality entertainment to put a big stamp on the whole thing. But I think that uh, what, as you say, Mulder and Scully are the I- iconic duo. I think the show was always, uh, while it was about a group of, uh, or I should say, a file cabinet full of files of the unknown, it really was a show about Mulder and Scully and their relationship. So I think the legacy is uh, those two characters. It's funny the way Mulder and Scully now kind of rolls off the tongue, and you know exactly what you know that means—the believer and the skeptic—and that I would take, you know, that name Mulder, uh, which isn't the most poetic mellifluous name and pair it with Scully and somehow Mulder and Scully sounds uh, as if two, the two characters have existed forever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What have I missed? Is, are there others? Is there something else that, that people should know?
1: No, you know, uh, it's funny when, you, when I think about the show, uh, I think about, you know, it was always surprising to me uh, I was mentioning the writers room. what people would bring in was always interesting to me and uh, things I hadn't imagined takes on the show that I haven't imagined. But once those scripts were written, you, uh, our, our first audience was always the crew. And uh, you knew that if the crew liked an episode, it, it was a good episode. They, they were our toughest critics and they really invested themselves in the show because they liked the show. But I think about uh, taking a script and handing it over to the uh, people like the production designers and seeing what they came up with, what their visions were. And it seems like every episode, they always came up with something that none of us quite imagined or a way to do something that some, none of us quite imagined. I think the pilot episode was done by Michael Nemersky and then the five seasons, the next five seasons, were Graham Murray. Uh, These people, uh, I'll just speak to a a case in point, uh, Dwayne Berry. uh, What Graham Murray came up with for an examination table of this character, Dwayne Berry, surrounded by gray aliens, uh, was production design, costume, set deck, you know, all these people came together and created something that was better than I ever imagined.
0: Yeah. Did did you did you know at the time while you were working at this, on this that this would have, like a very long life beyond its initial run?
1: No, there are so many pitfalls that are, you try to avoid through the process, and they are they could be one bad note from a studio executive could change the course of the show much like I was, uh, you know, uh, there was something that Jillian Anderson became pregnant during the first season of the show. And we scrambled cause we didn't know what to do, how to, uh, if she was going to be pregnant for the whole first part of the, uh, second season, how we were going to do Mulder and Scully. And, uh, we figured out a clever way to do that, a way that actually played into the larger storyline. But I actually had a network executive say to me, You've got to get rid of her. Uh, uh, and he was, you know, in, in no uncertain terms. And so you have to fight uh, against that. You know, you can't establish these two characters and then just break them up because he uh, doesn't want a pregnant woman uh, working on, on the show. It worked out that we were able to film Scully, and I think it was episode five of season two. And she is taken away by, and I just mentioned Dwayne Barry. She is abducted by this character, Dwayne Barry, which leads to what is supposed by Mulder as an alien abduction. Uh, you know, there's actually one other thing I'd like to say about this. Sure. we talk about its origins. And I talked about Silence of the Lambs. And I, you know, it was loomed huge in my mind. I loved the movie. And uh, it's really that uh, I was inspired by that Jodie Foster character to a large part. But I think that also, and this actually plays out in an episode called Fire on the series uh, in the first season where uh, Mulder is paired with a British woman who refers to uh, Sherlock Holmes. I read everything, I read all of Sherlock Holmes as a kid and I loved that kind of storytelling. I loved Sherlock and, and Watson's interplay And I think that is a big, for me, was a big part of the uh, dynamic between Mulder and Scully as well.
0: Uh, People are going to be really excited to hear this, as I was excited to hear it myself. Thanks, Toby. Okay, thanks so much, Chris. Strange Arrivals is a production of iHeart3D Audio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. This episode was written and hosted by Toby Ball, and produced by Miranda Hawkins and Josh Thane with executive producers Alex Williams, Matt Frederick, and Aaron Mankey. Learn more about Strange Rivals over at grimandmile.com and find more podcasts from iHeartRadio by visiting the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.